The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, and welcome to another Slate spoiler special. I'm Aisha Harris, Slate culture writer and host of Represent, and this week we're spoiling Black Panther. Shuri! Turn on the train on the bottom track. The stabilizers won't get to fix your suit. You won't have protection. Neither will he. Okay. Here to talk with me about the film are Slate's chief political correspondent, Jamel Bowie. Hello, Jamel. Hi, Aisha. And represent producer, my producer, Vera Lynn Williams. Hello, Vera Lynn. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> okay. So this is probably the most anticipated cultural event for black people of the year (laughs) it's a big freaking deal and before we even get into spoiling it i would love to just hear y'all's initial thoughts um now i know jamel and verilyn you saw it more recently than i have it's been like more than a week since i've seen it so you know i'm still basking in the glow of everything (laughs) but it's not as fresh in my mind as it is for you so verilyn why don't we start with you i went in like very like I was excited, but I was also trying to remind myself not to go in with too high expectations because I was like a little nervous about being disappointed. And I can honestly say that it, ex- if possible, <laughs> exceeded my expectations. And I'm sitting here trying to like, you know, you know, we're like cool critics, like we shouldn't be excited about things. But this movie was, it was so beautiful. It was the storyline stayed with me the whole time. Um, I'm not a huge superhero fan because I sometimes feel like there's a lot of kicking and screaming and action stuff and not enough dialogue. It didn't disappoint on that level. And, you know, just as someone that, you know, I'm Sierra Leonean, American, and so it just tackled deep issues that I wasn't really expecting from a superhero film. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jamal? I-, I was also very enthusiastic about it um, upon leaving the theater. I- I've been thinking a lot about it, but because I- I've been writing about it for Slate, um, but also just my own kind of trying to absorb what I witnessed. And the two things that stand out the most to me about the movie are that I don't think I've seen a world this fully realized on mm-hmm. on screen, at least not in a superhero movie, ever. Um, and I, I think I've seen, you know, I think I've seen the vast majority of films in the genre uh, of superhero movie, and there's just nothing like Wakanda um, in its visual style and the fact that it lives and breathes like any other character in the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, that, to me, is just completely striking. The second thing is just how political this movie is. Yeah. I was not expecting that whatsoever. Um, but I think this is like, you know, most superhero movies deal either not in ideas at all or or they either deal with ideas in this very sort of like high conceptual way, like with the Nolan Batman movies. But I feel like Black Panther is actually dealing with concrete political ideas in a provocative way. Um, and and I'm, I'll be very interested to see how sort of mainstream movie going audiences react to them. Yeah, the the politics is something we can definitely get into. I was also struck by that. And I, I walked away with it thinking like, there are going to be some white people who are going to be not happy with this movie. Yo, <laughs> um, I, I said, I was like, were there any white women besides the one that dies right at the top in the <laughs> film, the whole film? Uh, I don't think so. No, and there were only really two prominent white guys involved which was also um, the villain and the token which usually is reserved for the people of color right right so this is this is very much this was you know unlike other you know superhero movies i think i mean jamel you are definitely by far i think out of all of us the one who's most uh aware of these things but it does seem like uh, this this was definitely a case where they went into a completely different world. I, I think maybe the Thor movies are also similar to that, where they're like in a completely different uh, world. It's not in like necessarily, it's not all taking taking place here in America. Um, and there's no real crossover with the other Marvel movies. It just kind of stands on its own. So I really appreciated that. Well, I mean, and I'll say the thing is, is that, you know, the Thor movies also take place in a fantastical world, Asgard. The Guardians of the Galaxy movies take place in outer space. But, like, neither of Asgard feels very sterile uh, in those movies. And the Guardians of the Galaxy films are taking place sort of not in sterile landscapes, but they're, I mean, they're in space, they're in spaceships. It's a very kind of contained, closed world. And thinking to other franchises as well, 
there's there really is nothing like kind of the the scope of Wakanda mm-hmm. um and the extent to which every you know every time Wakanda's on screen something is happening in every little corner of the frame um the, the closest comparison point I had for it honestly is the first Star Wars movie um in terms of a, of a cinematic world that feels completely lived in and by that you mean a new hope not uh, right, right okay got it got it so no, yeah, let- I, 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 <laughs> I do not mean the prequels um, <laughs> uh, or or the force awakens which could like no there, there's yeah so let's actually just get into the nitty-gritty of what's happening here and what exactly wakanda is and what it means and you know i so I think it's safe to say that if you're even if you're not familiar, I can say as someone who like has not seen any of the Captain Americas. So like this is my first introduction to Black Panther, the character (laughs) on screen at all, um, because Chadwick Chadwick Boseman pops up in in, popped up in the last. uh, Was it the last Avengers? It was the last Captain America movie, Captain Captain America America Civil War. Right. So I feel safe saying that even if you're not familiar with it, you will go in and you, it, it, it does a good job, I think, of setting things up. I think to some extent to its detriment, that was one of my issues with it was it felt like it took a while to get into the beginning of it. But let's actually just start off with where it begins. Um, and Jamel, I will volley that over to you since you have read all of the you haven't read all of them, but you've read you're, you're familiar with Black Panther, the comic and how that translates from from there to the screen. Right. Um, so the movie begins with sort of a quick prehistory of Wakanda. Wakanda is a central African nation, very tiny. Um, sometime in the distant past, a meteor uh, that was made of a fictional material called vibranium uh, hits uh, the location uh, where Wakanda is. And the tribes that are in that location join together, all but one tribe, the Jabari tribe, which pops up uh, as a plot point in the movie. Um, joined together to build a civilization sort of centered around this metal. This metal basically is magic in the in the Marvel universe. It um it's virtually indestructible. It could it can become um, all kinds of different kinds of uh, other materials can be woven in the materials, and it um sort of has special properties that the Wakandans have basically figured out over the course of the thousands of years they've been um, using it and studying it uh it's sort of worth noting that in the context of the marvel universe captain america's shield which also is a strangely magical uh creation is made of vibranium so i thought about that i'm like so the white superhero secret weapon was made from stolen vibranium how is that is that brought in in any way in captain america that is from Um, wakanda no it's not really touched on i think it's touched on in the first Captain America, or maybe Iron Man two. It's it's some mo- very minor point um, in one of the earlier movies. But if and this hasn't really been addressed, I think in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but in the comic books, it is sort of canon that yeah, um, d- during the Second World War, um, vib- some vib- vibranium was stolen from Wakanda, and that's um, what became Cap- Captain America's shield. Uh, anyway, so the the very beginning of the movie just kind of rushes through this is what wakanda is this is what the black panther is it's the protector of wakanda it gets his powers from a special herb um, represents the panther god and then it after that quick prehistory we are dropped in oakland california in 1992 uh, and that's where the film really takes off right and we we have our first glimpse of one of the many stars in this movie there are so many stars um and that is sterling k brown who is playing the king's uh, king's brother uh, king t'chaka who is black panther's father um he's playing the king's brother and he, he it seems like he's like hoarding guns or something he's doing something illegal with another character who we will later find out who that character is well like this is in the so this is in the midst of you know I want to say like um, maybe like the Rodney King like riot eras. Am I am I correct in, in making that assumption, Jamel? Well, ninety two. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not in L A. Right? It's um, it's, it's in it's, o- quite it's a, in Oakland. Right, it's quite a ways away, but that's that's the atmosphere. Yeah, it's a clear scene. It's a scene that's clear. Like he is like a black power revolutionary of some sort. Um, so so someone is a knock on the door and then um the other guy that's with him um looks out the door looks out the people and he said what did he say the two there are two uh uh 
What does he say? Oh, what does he oh, say? He it says they're too. Uh, they're too. Um, uh, why can't I remember her name? <gasps> it's uh, the actress. Oh, oh, Grace Jones. Uh, yeah, Grace Jones. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a knock at the door, and the the friend of of Sterling K. Brown's character in Jobo, he's like, "Yo, there's two Grace Jones looking chicks outside." Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> one of many beautiful lines. <laughs> <laughs> and so of course, and Jobo's like. Oh well, you you better not make them knock twice. They're not going to knock, knock twice. And they open the door, and in comes these beautiful black women wearing African garb and uh, designed by the one and only Ruth Carter. Yes, who's been on the show? Who's been on Represent? Yes. Um, and they enter with Chachaka, and Chachaka is upset because Njobo has been going behind his back and apparently has been this is what I wasn't very clear about like what exactly he was trying to do um well, my understanding is that he is the the inside person that got the the vibra- vibranium stolen like he was the he was how they figured out how to steal the vibranium from Wakanda okay got it so that so he was he, he was in Oakland as sort of one of basically Wakanda's emissary spies they're yeah. kind of keeping an eye on things and and kind of reporting back to Wakanda because yeah. Wakanda sort of cloistered away from the world mm-hmm. right right and this is the first time we see so something that we see throughout the movie is people revealing that they are actually Wakandans because there's there's a little confusion sometimes or deceptiveness happening and so the Sterling K Brown uh, and the other characters will peel back the their bottom lip to reveal this sort of like code you know like a barcode like a, like barcode, a, yeah. like a glowing barcode it's not a barcode but it kind of looks like one um and that reveals that yes they are wakandans and it turns out that sterling k brow's friend is also a wakandan and had actually been spying on njobo for um for t'chaka and so uh, then what happens <laughs> i'm like totally blanking and then he you know he's like you you betrayed he betrayed us i can't you have to go um we're gonna take you back so you can you know face the whoever to get your judgment and uh and jobo goes to kill forrest whitaker's well, what's his name the char- the actor is denzel whitaker okay denzel whitaker's character who um has uh, been spying on Njobo, sterling k brown's character uh so he goes to kill the person that's been spying on him and t'chaka is not having it and ends up killing his own brother and then he leaves him there it, it should be noted uh or two things should be noted the first is that uh Sterling K. Brown's character hadn't just helped someone steal some vibranium, but the thief, um, a character named Ulysses S. Claw, yeah. uh, ended up killing um, a bunch of Wakandans in the in the course of the theft. Um, and so Sterling K. Brown is sort of uh, helped assist a really horrendous act of terrorism in Wakanda. And the second thing is that witnessing witnessing the Wakandan ship um, arrive in Oakland is a little boy. Who it's mm. revealed is uh, Jolene K. Brown's character's son. Yeah. Yes, so that that takes us to like only the first ten minutes of this movie. <laughs> um, so let's let's keep going. Um, <laughs> so we cut to then the present day, uh, and then we're in Wakanda, or not quite Wakanda, a Wakandan uh, aircraft carrying uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther, played by Chadwick Boseman. And his general, the the chief of the royal guard in Wakanda, um, uh, Okoye, played by Denai Guerrera, who stars in The Walking Dead. And they're on their way on some kind of mission. Um, and we find out that what the mission is, is T'Challa is trying to uh, contact and uh, sort of retrieve um, a spy, Nakia, played by... Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who herself is in the midst of a mission, but it looks like trying to save some women from human trafficking. Um, And what ensues is the first kind of taste of action in the movie. Um, The Black Panther drops down from the ship, uh, kind of startles the the convoy of soldiers. Uh, Together with Nakia, they save these women, stop these soldiers, and uh, Nakia is brought on the ship where she's informed that uh, T'Chaka, T'Challa's father, uh, the the king, has passed away. It's died, and this is what happened in the previous movie, Captain America: Civil War. Kind of is the inciting incident of that movie, in that T'Challa will be um, uh, about to take place and about to perform the ceremony that would elevate him to the throne of Wakanda. So yeah, a lot happens. <laughs> we have 
Chichala returning to Wakanda with Okoye and Nakia, and they're being greeted by the wonderful Angela Bassett, who is playing his mother. Mm. Um, and they are also greeted by his sister, who is Suri, played by Letitia Wright, who's new, and it was it was such a breath of fresh air. Like, well, she, oh, she was delightful. She clearly stole basically this Everything. entire movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, she she's kind of the very spunky. Very smart sister who designs his uh, like is the, she's the tech wizard. So she's yeah. designing right. all the weapons, designing the um, the suit for her brother. And what, she, what she says, she says, just because something is good doesn't mean you can't make it better. And I was just like, that is like a word. <laughs> <laughs> she's just so delightful. And it's it's great to see that sort of um, uh, that banter yeah. uh, with the two of them. The other thing we realize is that her um, we should talk about the sort of like love romance between Nakia and um, and Black Panther, where you know it's we we also see in the scene that they've had a thing in the past, and maybe there might be a thing happening again, but we we never really find out like what exactly like tore them apart before. Well, I think it's the first rumblings of the political tension, but right. you know, like she wants to be out there doing good helping other Africans outside of Wakanda. outside of Wakanda whereas um, T'Challa who was the heir to the throne and now is about to become king is way more concerned with Wakandans and making sure that you know where they live is taken care of can I just add real quickly that you know in the lead up to this we see these great aerial vistas of Wakanda we see the Wakandan countryside we see the city we see baskets um, the African baskets that I you know you see in every African market today which was so cool to see right but what I what is kind of crazy about this movie is that it's not just a superhero movie. It also is sort of you could easily spin it off, spit it off to, into like an African Game of Thrones mm. because the meeting of the royal family and the, this kind of sparks the period where we're meeting various members of the royal court. Yes. Um, uh, when when T'Challa uh, takes place takes part in the ceremony where he becomes king, we are we are introduced to this wide range of characters from every region of Wakanda, and mm. each one of them um, is someone who I would happily watch a movie about. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, so essentially now that T'Chaka has passed, he is going to be the heir to the throne, but the before he becomes the heir, he has we have to see if he's going to be challenged by someone else from either uh, the Wakandan, from either their tribe or from other tribes. And so it's really, really beautiful the way it's set up and this like sort of uh, it's on a cliff uh, that's kind of encaved. Yeah. Uh, and there you see all the families, the different and the different tribes, different and garb, different, different garbs, different scars, colors, yeah. different um uh, markings on their bodies yep. for depending on what tribe they're on. I think we spend a, a decent amount of time like in this in this like moment of him being challenged. And so it's it's the Jabari tribe, correct? Yeah, that, the Jabari tribe that ultimately from the mountains that um one of one of their members um actually challenges challenges Black Black Panther. And watching that scene, I was actually like, how was this movie rated PG thirteen? Because it was like very brutal. Um, yeah, that. I, I have my criticisms of some of the action in this movie, especially towards the end. But this first, this I guess this would be the second action sequence. This fight scene is brutal and intimate, and mm-hmm. I was legitimately sort of like a bit disturbed throughout um, at how at how genuinely threatened T'Challa felt um, in the midst of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was. It was. I feel like it was a bit much for me, and I usually am totally fine with uh, these types of action sequences. But I think part of it is just the fact that they're, and this says a lot about me and also just the way we we view violence in film and TV, but like usually when we see violence, it's like high-tech weapons, it's yeah. guns, it's yeah. blah, blah, blah. But with this, it was just like, it's fists, it's yeah. spears. Yeah. It's like you're seeing, you're seeing th- like things go into bodies and pounding of head on like on gra- it, I guess it's I haven't I don't watch Game of Thrones but I imagine <laughs> this is kind of what Game of Thrones is like it, it <laughs> felt very Game of Thronesy in terms of the type of violence we were witnessing I also I think that there was also something about like the value of life you know the something about the way that they were fighting made you see that like Every every hit, every punch, every thrust was like for a purpose. Whereas in other action movies, where like someone gets shot and then they die and then you move on, it kind of like lessens that person's 
I like value in the world and there was something about the way that they were fighting that made me like acknowledge that if somebody were to die it would be through like a purpose driven motive you know and uh, spoiler but this is the spoiler special he doesn't die he almost kills um the jabari challenger and then mbaku mbaku but he, he spares his life two quick thoughts um first my friends you got you guys are describing the wonderful thing about good action choreography <laughs> <laughs> i know like really i know <laughs> tr- tr- truly truly good action choreography isn't just showing fighting it's showing character it's showing yeah. st- it's helping advance plot story. and story yeah. and so we we learn something about both t'challa and uh mbaku through the fight mm-hmm. uh, and you don't really see that very often in these kinds of movies the second thing i want to say is that mbaku is kind of an infamous character in black panther lore in the comic books in the in the especially in the, the original issues in the 60s he was a character called man ape which is as uh, iffy uh as <laughs> well in the movie as, they um, also wear the gorilla like they're oh they, yeah, they, they, like they're like right. hoo, hoo, hoo. like they that's their chant right? right and what i what i really admired about the movie is that they were able to take this character who in his original form is kind of racist and actually like not just transform him but make him but make him in his tribe and his people mm. sort of a part of this coherent world and a part of this world that while they seem threatening are fundamentally of it and not some sort of weird caricature because like you could i could easily imagine it in much lesser hands this just being disastrous yeah yeah so he spares his life he spares mbaku's life and he, Black Panther is now the king. And uh, so I guess now is the point where, if I remember cor- correctly, where we get the sort of uh, the weaving in of Michael B. Jordan's character. Mm, the, the very good looking Michael B. Jordan. Yes, yes. Wearing those Jesus. beautiful glasses, those eyeglasses he was wearing. So Michael B. Jordan's character is Eric Killmonger. He helps steal vibranium from a museum in London. And soon Okoye is, I think she's alerted. So T'Challa's king and the Wakandan sort of royal court um, is informed that vibranium has been found out in the world um and that it's in the possession and they don't know about killmonger yet um mm-hmm. none of that is known to them what they know is that vibranium has been found in the world and it's in the possession of claw um their old nemesis and here is when we sort of get a bit of conflict within the court uh one of one of the members of the court played by daniel kaluuya uh, who is in the film a close friend of T'Challa. Um, his family died in the terrorist attack uh, perpetrated by Claw years back. And so he says to, he agrees that T'Challa should don the Black Panther garb and go after Claw. And he says to him, you either need to kill him or bring him back for justice. There's mm-hmm. no other no other choice here. And this mm-hmm. sets up kind of our next big action set piece, which takes place in Busan, uh, South Korea. Yeah, I loved I loved this this montage. I thought it was really really great, and it was also great to like. Again, this is one of it's it's so rare. I feel like to see these types of movies where white people are just in the background, but like for them to like go, you, you have these like African uh, African people going to South Korea, and the way they interact, and they they know well. Nakia knows her way around because she obviously like gets out more than the other ones do um and so she goes and she actually knows um where the vibranium is gonna where claw is gonna be and it's like a sort of not a speakeasy per se but it's sort of like a secret you have to know a code or know the know the woman at the front who's like selling fish selling fish (laughs) like it's a market outside and then like inside it's this giant like casino royale type of deal um and so this is where the deal is the the exchange is supposed to go down between claw and the person who's going to buy it by the vibranium and i just thought that like see it, it felt very in a way james bondy because they were all they had like they're they were talking to each other communicating to each other via um you know like uh some kind of ear yeah some kind of bluetooth or yeah. whatever <laughs> um and just like i have eyes on it and i have i have eyes on her uh look like 12 o'clock blah 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 and here is where we meet our other token white person <laughs> um everett k ross played by martin freeman who is a cia agent um from the united states and he's the, he's actually the person that they're that is buying the vibranium from Claw, and immediately he recognizes T'Challa uh, when he walks in. 
and he's like what are you doing here and i guess he and then um jamel does he do, do they meet in a different series Cause i got the sense that he knew that he was Black Panther. He knew that he, like, dressed up in a suit. Yes. Um, Captain America Civil War, which came out in 2016, is kind of the prequel for this movie in a lot of ways. Um, I actually recommend watching it if you haven't. It's pretty good. It's, I think, a top-tier Marvel movie. Um, and there's sort of three plot lines in the movie. And the or nah, not even... Yeah, there's three plot lines. And the B, the B plot is about T'Challa and Black Panther, him hunting mm-hmm. down the Winter Soldier, who he believes killed his father. And so in all of that, um, Martin Freeman's character is introduced in that film, and that's how they that's how they meet. That's sort mm. of the backstory there. Okay. okay, that's, yeah, that's good to know. So, yeah, Everett's not happy that Black Panther's there. He's blowing up his spot. And uh, eventually what happens is Claw shows up. He has the, you know, he has the, um, the vibranium suitcase, he like makes a weird crack. Oh, he he walks in with like four or five other people, like these guys, like big hulking guys. And Everett is, is says to him like, "What are you like releasing a mixtape or something? <laughs> this is your entourage. <laughs> is this your entourage?" Uh, it, it was. I love that part. And and then eventually, like the the deal does not go as planned, and we get an intense. Um, it's like shootout fight out between Nakia and Okoye and Black Panther, which turns into a giant chase scene that I also thought was really, really like well played. Um, you had highly entertaining. <laughs> yes, there were multiple multiple cars happening. Um, you had Okoye and Nakia in one car, and Black Panther was sort of like jumping on every like jumping from car to car. No, and- he was in a car play um, that was being controlled by his sister in Wakanda. Oh. Right. Oh right! Oh yeah! Can you ex- so? I, that's probably worth explaining. Like, is the fact that it's sort of like vir- like uh, virtual reality kind of yeah, or just being able to 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 like tell uh, what's the word teleport. Um, remote, just remote control. Remote just, control, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is a lot less technology. <laughs> like, oh, remote control, <laughs> right? Re- remote control. Rosuri was in Wakanda, but she was remote controlling a car, and so he was in the car. Bakamata was in the car alongside her, and so a chase ensues between them. Um, that I thought was just really well done myself. Personally. It was. Of, I mean, car chases I feel like are hard to do. A lot of them are kind of poorly edited, and you can't don't really get a sense of motion and who's where and what they're doing but i thought this was a very competently directed car chase um Mm. you sort of and it was a great showcase for everyone you could you saw what claw could do um you saw you you got a taste of the black panther's agility um and strength there's a great moment where the car he is on is about to run into like a wreck and he jumps um to the side of the car and uses his strength and weight to sort of give it a sharp cut left uh, yeah. After speed to to keep on with the chase, it reminded um, me of a sort of like sailing a boat in a way, yeah. or like <laughs> I don't know why, but I thought of Moana. I was like, it's oh. like Moana where she's like, oh, you boat. would think of a Disney movie. <laughs> well, look, this is a Disney movie too. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Okoye has some really great moments too, uh, using her spear to oh, sort the of take spear. out oh, cars and, yeah, um, yeah, planting that spear in like the ground and yeah, it was great. After the chase. Um, they're able to stop Claw, and T'Challa is actually about to kill him right there. Uh, but there are people watching, so uh, he takes him to sort of like a CIA holding cell where he's being interrogated. Where they interrogate him, where um, Everett tra- interrogates him to kind of get a handle on what's going on. And I actually really love this scene because it's sort of where Everett realizes that what he believes about Wakanda isn't quite. Right. Well, I mean, it was so interesting because he's like the idea that he believed it. It was it was such a to me that was also kind of like a a, a signposting of sorts. It's just like he's just like, there's no way, you know, there's no way that what you're saying is true. That's one of the poorest countries. And to me, it was just like a like, hmm, this is does he like represented America? Well, the the, the thing they keep saying is you're a third world, you're a third world country. Yeah. And that that to me was like the that was very much the that was. That's what they're saying. It's a third world country. That's what everyone thinks. Um, I mean, to be fair, it seems like, of course, they're going to think that because Chachaka <laughs> has done such a good job of keeping <laughs> keeping it from most people. Like that's his whole mo. Is like we don't want other people mm-hmm. to know that we even have this. Like 
these very isolationist policy. Um, so I, uh, but am, am I reading that wrong, Jamel? Or yeah, that's how, that... I think it's absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's like the like the possibility of it. Like I, maybe I'm getting a little like. Verilyn, I think you're right too. I, no, I think, it's, it's, I think it's yeah. It's I think it goes both ways. It's clearly meant to. It's not just sort of a reflection of how well Tachaka was able to is able to, has been able to conceal Wakandan wealth and power, but that. Everett Ross is incredulous. He's like mm-hmm. it's it, it's not just it's not just that they're a third world country, but that they're a third world African country. Yes, um, and that's I think that's I think that subtext is clearly there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, after we have this exchange between Black Panther and Everett, where he's like surprised that this could even exist, that vibranium could even exist, or that even that uh, Wakandans would be able to harvest it and all that stuff. Uh, Claw actually gets like busted out of his his cell or from the holding cell to by uh, Killmonger and his group of uh, cronies or whatever, <laughs> and so he escapes and um, actually Black Panther sees like he sees him running as he's leaving and he sees like uh, a necklace he's wearing and the necklace has. Uh, I guess some sort of symbol. Uh, it was a ring. It was a ring. It's the same it, ring. It's a ring belonging to his grandfather. Right, right, right. So all of a sudden, he thinks either like it could be two things. It could be either something like is a miss. This guy's actually a Wakandan, or he stole it from someone else. Uh, so we we get that glimpse of that, and eventually we see Killmonger winds up killing. Or we think we don't actually see him die, so who knows? He could come back, but we see him. Oh, he better be dead. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, claw? No, he is dead because he brings him back to Wakanda. He's dead. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Well, before that, when T'Challa sees the ring, he you know goes to confront um, Forrest Whitaker's character and is like, you know, tell me the truth. And he's like, I s- promise never to speak of you know what happened in the '90s with his dad. He's like, I promise never to speak of it. And he's like, I am your king. And then he essentially makes him tell him the story of how his, his T'Challa's father kills his brother and abandons Killmonger, who was his son. Right. Yeah. So Killmonger is T'Challa's cousin. Yes. So we, we kind of realize, I mean, I guess we realize it with the ring, but like the reality of it happens to T'Challa at the same time that Killmonger brings Claw's body to Wakanda and is pretty much like... Like, I did something that your king couldn't even did. I brought Claw here dead, um, and now I'm going to challenge. I'm going to claim my seat at the throne. Um, and at first, everyone was kind of like, yeah, whatever, get out of here. And then <laughs> he's like, ask me who I am. And so there was a lot of, like, for me, it was, like, a lot of, like, a notes to, like, African norms and traditions you know like who hasn't heard a nigerian say do you know who i am you know like just this idea of like i am the set the set like that idea i feel like there was like a lot of like speaking to this the mannerisms of like africanness and what i kind of like recognized as like those african mannerisms throughout and that like blew my mind and that was like another example of that he was just like like ask me who i am and then finally one of the guards in the the, the 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 like high council members say, "Who are you?" Right before he gets thrown out, and he said, then he like riddles off all the names <laughs> of who he is. Right, and and then they're all bewildered. And one of my probably my favorite line of the whole thing, uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, and uh, Angela Bassett, who as we mentioned earlier, plays his mother or plays Black Panther's mother. <laughs> she's like, I can't believe this. Yeah. And then she's making a face and Michael B. Jordan's like, hi, auntie. Yes. I, like, I love that moment. It's like, <laughs> he said auntie. It's so <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, so then we get another scene, this time with Killmonger fighting, uh, mm. fighting T'Challa. Uh, only this time it's even more brutal because it's, it's we know this backstory. We know... Yeah. Um, that and not that we didn't know that the Mbaku, the Jabari fighter who fought him earlier, wa- like he obviously wanted it too. Like it's a life or death situation. But we have all of this backstory that we didn't necessarily have with Jabari. We get the Jabari backstory a little bit later um, mm. in another scene. But I, yeah, that that scene was also brutal. And essentially, what happens is that Black Panther loses. Here, Killmonger is saying, "I have been." 
in America, like living as a black American, having to like navigate this white structure and learning their ways. He was in the CIA himself. Like, you know, he's like, I had to navigate all these struggles and hear you on Wakanda with all your fancy equipment and all your fancy technology. And you're doing nothing for people who are us that are out there. And so this fight is almost like the tension between like that tension of that conversation, which I've like thought about throughout my life because <laughs> growing up as a black presenting girl in the Bronx, that's Sierra Leonean and like not feeling Sierra Leonean enough and not feeling black enough. Like that fight, I felt like represented that fight. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a regular American black person. You black. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, I mean, my like my African heritage, you know, the, the the last African in my family was brought here in like the 1830s. Mm. Um, uh, before that, actually, because the slave trade was over by then. So, um, or the American slave trade. Anyway, I said earlier that I thought this was a provocative movie, and this is sort of what I mean. Um, mm. Because I, I feel like in the conversation leading up to the film, lots of conversation about Wakanda, lots of conversation about what the idea of Wakanda means to um, people of African descent, uh, black Americans or otherwise, um, sort of this uncolonized, technologically advanced, powerful nation. But the film, I think, very smartly brings up the other side of that, which is mm. Killmonger's point that if this existed, where the hell have they been? Yeah. Um, where, where? Why have they abandoned the African diaspora? Why have they allowed, um, you know, countless people to suffer and die under racist oppression mm. and killmonger's argument to t'challa and the wakandan court is that you are wrong you are immoral and mm. i will i will if i become king i will use this country's power to right what's wrong um and to and and sort of the the, the other side of that is it's sort of almost like a genocidal thing mm. <laughs> he wants to wipe out um uh yeah. everyone else and yeah. dominate and rule over the planet. He says at one point the empire will never set on the Wakandan Empire, yeah, which is directly yeah. taken from, you know, the empire never set, never, the, um, the, uh, the sun never set on the British Empire. Yeah. Um, but watching it, I was like, you know, is he wrong? <laughs> no. In so many, so, yeah, I saw him as like sort of a mirror of Nakia in terms of like they both have the same goals in a way of like, we need to be helping other nations and other people who look like us because they need us. We can't just keep pretending that like there there aren't all these problems out there. Um, but then he just goes and takes it in a completely wrong direction. <laughs> like he's like basically the Azalea Banks of this movie. Where like <laughs> he says things that like make a lot of sense, but then he goes about it all the wrong way or like wraps it up in like this rhetoric that like borders on Hotep and is just sort of like uncomfortable even even if you agree with him it's kind of uncomfortable to watch because you're like you just want to in a way destroy the world like you want to watch the world burn you can understand why he wants to because he's very mm. he's there, there's a yeah. the personal aspect yeah. too of him literally being abandoned yeah. but yeah I just that that but whole... there's also the the idea that like you know if if, if Wakanda had had opened up their doors and helped, you know, other African nations or African people from around the diaspora, would they be Wakanda, right? And that's something that I was thinking a lot about is just like when um, Everett was, you know, at, at some point ends up having to come to Wakanda to to be healed because he gets shot during the, um, the, the when once um, Claw is being, being um, freed from the jail. And so they bring him to Wakanda. And the first thing Shuri says when she sees him, like, hello, colonizer, or whatever she <laughs> says, which is like, ex that's the truth. Like, it's like once you have someone that knows this, like, they're going to want it. And, you know, if you want to get into, like, why, you know, this, like, I'm, I'm reading um, Yaya, um, Yaya's book, um, I forget her last name, um, but it's Homecoming, and that gets into, like, the Ghanaian, um, like, what happened at the Gold Coast during slavery, and how was it able to, like, what role did Africans play in it, and, like, what, how did the, uh, the British pit different tribes against each other and get them to essentially sell their people into slavery, right? And so there's this question of what happened. Why is it that African countries are some of the richest and well-resourced countries in the world? 
And so what happened? Colonizers came in and did their thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess to Jamel's point, I think about it being provocative, I think what the movie winds up doing, because we obviously see Black Panther uh, wrestling with this and wrestling with the... He he knows in a way, you can tell, he knows in a way that in many ways Killmonger is right. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the movie, he um, he's successfully killed I think he's killed because again this one I'm sure like who knows he could have died maybe not because we don't see Killmonger's body after this and I know how these movies work sometimes so he could just pop up again um but he um offers to spare like he offers to like help him and give him vibranium now that Mm. he's weakened and 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 basically dying and he's like no I'll I'll." I thought this was a very clunky line of dialogue (laughs) but he was just like no like this the my ancestors on ships Mm -hmm. and something about that uh and then he died it's a very clunky line it's so clunky (laughs) I was I found it effective I don't know (laughs) I I did not I kind of laughed um (laughs) but but I get it uh but like it, it what I liked about it is that it it takes a little elements of both by the end of the movie is that we can see we can understand, I think, to some extent, T'Challa's hesitance to to embrace what Nakia and what um, Killmonger have wanted, which is to go out there. Because, again, yes, like the, that once they open themselves up, you do have that happening. You have people trying to come in. Um, but at the same time, it, it does take away at the end. It's like, well, they're actually going to take some of what he said yeah. and and apply it to what they're doing. Well, OK, this is my one beef with the film. So the solutions is... Um community centers that's the solution you know i was i did kind of feel a certain way about that because i'm like you with all your power and all your vibranium your solution is like opening up centers around the country well what what would you want they're not just gonna go and like give them a handout of vibranium and like go do what you want to do it just felt very like (laughs) after school i don't know that was the one thing where i was just like but i i don't know (laughs) what do you think um I mean, thinking in terms of the characters, uh, you know, what Nakia wants is sort of a, a humanitarian Wakanda. What Killmonger wants is like an activist, sort of almost like a neocon Wakanda. Um, and T'Challa seems not quite splitting the difference, like definitely going in Nakia's direction. But he's also the Black Panther, so presumably he'll be like kind of, you know, working in world affairs that way. Um, but I think, I mean, I think what the what the, what the conclusion he comes to that right now the best thing Wakanda can do is go to because the they set up the center in Oakland, so go to those mm-hmm. places where Black people are suffering and try to provide them with the tools and resources to advance without violence. Um, that seems like a fair a fair split uh, in terms of, of of kind of finding an equilibrium here. Yeah, it also just seemed like this this was a theme that I think comes up a lot in a lot of black movies is is this idea of you know the black the upwardly mobile black people who made it and mm. what they're what they owe to the ghetto or what they owe to the hood or the community it's something that comes up a lot i mean in i mean i guess every sort of <laughs> piece of literature movie or even music about uh when it comes to black identity it reminds me a, a piece i actually i'm going to plug myself but i just wrote a piece about this movie i discovered uh that we actually mentioned in our episode uh on friday in represents episode on represents friday. episode on friday uh about uh a Abar, the first black Superman. It's a black exploitation flick. Came out in seventy seven, and the 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 basic crux of the 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 story is a doctor who moves into a white neighborhood, uh, being uh, con- coerced by Abar, who is a sort of Black Panther figure, a leader of this revolution that's sort of like the Black Panthers. And he's like, "You need to come back to the hood, and you need to like." Or actually, it's the ghetto because it was the seventies. You need to come back to this ghetto and like contribute to your brothers and sisters. You can't live here. You need to live there. And I, I, I was kind of surprised to see that that sort of same strain in a Marvel movie. Uh, even Wonder Woman, I feel like, didn't dig that deeply into mm. its feminist um, aspect. Like it was feminist in the way it did things, but not as like overtly and as. Dare I say it? Sometimes it did feel a little preachy. I, I guess I, I guess the ending. I guess I agree with you to some extent. Is that the ending felt a little after school special? Yeah. Ireland, the more I think about it, I was just like, okay. <laughs> I, I, I kind of see. I see where they're going with this because part of Killmonger's 
sort of grievance was that was specifically about living under white supremacy, right? Like yeah. I am I am a Wakandan who grew up under white supremacy and you owe something to black people who grew up under white supremacy. And so I see I see and and, I, and that's where, you know, uh T'Challa's uncle was died. I mean, I see why mm-hmm. they do it in Oakland. Um I want I want to say real quickly, so black people aren't the only people going to be watching this movie. Um, yeah. This is going to be a huge movie. I mean, the fact that I think we can all agree it's good it kind of really adds to the fact that this will be a huge movie. And it's going to have, you know, probably the majority of audience goers are going to be white. And the extent to which the film doesn't really condemn uh, Killmonger's basic premise mm-hmm. or or even or grants him his premise and says you're going too far, but doesn't really dispute that yes, Wakandans do owe something to the rest of the world that suffers from the racism. I think that's, I don't think I've seen anything that pointed in this kind of blockbuster before. Mm, I agree. Something that's directly challenging its audience. I do think to some extent that pointed nature for, I think, a lot, if not the majority of white people or like non-black people who will see this movie, I think the fact that we do have one good quote-unquote white character really sort of like tempers that and and helps um, make that seem not as pointed or at least balances it would balance it out for I think a lot of white audiences had that character not been there had this been like a get out situation where like all the (laughs) spoiler if you haven't seen get out but come on it's a year now Uh, (laughs) like where none of the white people are good yeah um, I think that it helps that we have someone and, and he literally like he's flying shit like yeah every like character he's, he's putting himself on the line which yeah. is like he's sacrificing yeah he's sacrificing himself, himself. Yeah. which yeah, can it, i say that i think the movie copped out by not having him die during that during that mm. um during that scene yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It, it, that would have been yeah that would have been powerful yes having it's him. symbolic <laughs> in a lot of ways yes because because the people of color are always dying they're always dying things. they're always sacrificing their lives for the, everyone else that almost happened in force awakens or not but, but force ha- against the last jedi but it didn't thankfully right. but <laughs> but ha- having a having a character be incredulous about wakanda then come to realize what it is and then come to feel that he ought to defend it yeah. Um, not out of any glory, but for the for, for the good of the Wakandans, and then having him die in the process of that, I mm. think that would have been good, like story wise. Yeah. But of course, yeah. I mean, the reason why he's not dead, I don't know this for certain, but I'm like ninety percent sure it's true, is that the Marvel movies for this next sort of phase, they kind of need a kind of blandish audience viewpoint character to carry through the various franchises in the previous movies it was um uh agent colson played by the actor i can't remember but he died in the avengers and so Mm. everett ross is that the new version of this character who kind of touches each franchise and acts as a bit acts as a bit of connective tissue between them wow and, and can I and can and we feel like we were doing an injustice if we don't mention just how like on point all the black women were in this film like I went to go see Mar- Marissa Martinelli represent social media assistant woo woo and I was like why are black women always on the right side of history like <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean just just to add to that I, this is I, I'm using the word first a lot because there are a lot of firsts in this movie yeah this is the first of these superhero movies period across, not just Marvel but across the genre where women aren't just a major part of the story and plot but they drive mm-hmm. the story and plot yep. um that they are that they are central characters whose actions have weight on what happens going forward. Uh, this is as much Lupita's movie as it is Chadwick yes. Boseman's movie or Michael B. Jordan's movie, and yeah. you really cannot say. I mean, Wonder Woman is really the only other movie that you can say that for. And she was amongst like a bunch of men, men. so yeah. it was right. like her. <laughs> Half the speaking cast are black women. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. I, I feel like there's there's obviously so much more <laughs> we could have so talked about, more. but I think we got into the politics, the, uh, I mean, there are so many other, we could have talked about, like, the this being a black American movie in many ways that's supposed mm. to, there, there's that whole... Yeah, is Lupita the only African no, actor? No, no, Denai is... No, Denai, um, Daniel, um, Kalia okay. is African. Okay. Although... 
He's British. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he's but he's African. Yes. Well, I mean, everyone's African, but yes. But he's like he's not like he's he's not like you know he's not he's not a, a black person. <laughs> Can I ask you both as Black Americans, like, how do you feel about the argument? I know we have to go, but like, how do you feel about the argument that like Af you know Africans sold my ancestors into slavery, and I feel like does there any of that? I I mean I for me. Because so, so first of all, just as like a matter of historical record, the initial trading in the sixth, seventeenth century and early eighteenth century did involve African tribesmen, you know, selling defeated enemies to the mm. Portuguese and to the French and to the British and whomever. But by the time you get to the heyday of the slave trade in the late eighteenth century, that's just 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 straight up theft, right? It's just mm, <laughs> it's just yeah. like it's it's raids, it's that kind of thing. So I mean, for me, it's like I don't. Slavery is bad, uh, obviously, um, but I'm not sure one should hold those African tribal leaders uh, in in West Africa for the hold them responsible for the global, you know, the, the transatlantic slave trade. Um, well, yeah. Well, also everyone had like like all the cultures, the different places outside of Africa also did had slaves. Um, like it wasn't the African slave owners or people who were selling slaves. Uh, they weren't doing it based on race. <laughs> it was like right, right. these these like you said, these are my enemies. They're defeated, mm, or you know, mm. these are you know my tribesmen. It, it it was not as not that it was good by any means and. Thankfully, we've most mostly evolved, but it wasn't like insidious in the way that uh, it was when it came down to the caste system and race and mm -hmm. all that right. stuff. So, it, like, yeah, sl slavery slavery has existed through all on all continents through all times, but racial caste shadow slavery is an American innovation, mm -hmm. um, and and so the the idea. I, I encounter this a lot just because you get a lot of whataboutism from people yeah. who are like, well, slavery wasn't that bad. I know. Um, oh, God. Uh, so the idea that there ought to be equal responsibility just doesn't traffic with me. We should be accurate. We should be accurate about the history that, yes, African tribes sold other Africans into slavery, but that was distinct from what happened in the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't, I don't have any hard feelings towards Africans. Yeah. <laughs> to sum up your question, <laughs> the only, the, I mean, to, to be honest, the only hard feelings I ever have is towards um, people who denigrate Black Americans. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, that's yes, that's when it becomes a, a problem. So we're definitely going to link to um, this documentary that I sent you both called "Bond: African versus African Americans." Because I think it does a good job to talk about it from both sides of of the coin. Because I do, I do, I've heard it from both. I've heard it from family members that are like, Verilyn, don't behave like those Black Americans." And I've also heard it from like my Black American friends that don't know that I'm African, saying like really messed up things about other Africans around me. So yeah, yeah, that's a that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> I hope you're fully spoiled. Thank, thank you, Jamel, for joining us. No, my pleasure. And thank you, Verilyn. Of course. And thanks, everyone else, for listening. Please subscribe to the Slate Spoiler Special podcast feed. And if you like the show, please rate and review it in the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions for movies or TV shows we should spoil, or if you have any other feedback you'd like to share, please send it to spoilers at slate.com. And for more Black Panther coverage, of which we have done a lot, check out Represent at slate.com slash represent. Our producers are Daniel Schrader and Verilyn Williams. For Jamel and Verilyn, I'm Aisha Harris. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.